2: Hello, fantasy managers, and welcome to the MLS Fantasy Insider. Tonight we're going to preview round seven on the increasingly interesting and unexpected 2020 season of Major League Soccer. This episode is brought to you by Blowouts, making you regret the guys you didn't have on your team. Uh no, no, wait, no. Ouch, that was kind of personal. No, I mean, uh, brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing MLS Fantasy Insider patreon supporters thank you guys so much i'm your host reed Connolly from mlsfantasyboss.com and tonight i'm joined by my partner in fantasy mr blaine riffle uh mike will be with us uh, shortly he's just running behind a bit Tonight, We'd also like to welcome our special guest, Andrew Crawlard, uh, a man of many titles in the past that's changed. He has been a fantasy blogger. He has been uh, an r slash MLS moderator, currently still is. Uh, He is a teacher of the beautiful game to to children in in Seattle, uh, but he is also one of our Discord regulars in the chat, and a great fancy mind, and frequently in the chat with us during our live show. So welcome, Andrew. How are you guys doing tonight?
1: I'm good. Doing all right. I, I think the only reason you invited me on is uh, so I would stop uh, heckling you guys in the, in the
2: chat. <laughs> so no, I, I love... Can't, can't do it so much live. I love I love heckling. Uh, so the reason Andrew is with us tonight is because he got voluntold, which... Uh, happens often, I think, for those of us. And Mike is coming, so we do this. Hello, Mike, and welcome. Hello. We just started so you are perfectly in time. I was just saying that we invited Andrew to the show tonight because uh, as so many of us who are on Zoom calls and and have uh, real person adult jobs understand, uh, you often get voluntold when you have an idea (laughs) and a suggestion and that's exactly what Andrew did. Uh, He frequently does come onto the show and frequently does heckle us, which I very much enjoy because he heckled me some during this week that I'm going to let him brag about. And I loved it because I love hearing about people's successes in fantasy. And Andrew had a great suggestion for uh, a new addition to our player recommendation section that we're going to be talking about tonight, which we'll mention (coughs) shortly. So no spoilers just yet uh but
0: well as someone who got voluntold into co-hosting this podcast i do appreciate it that's
2: right that's right we, i've uh that's how i've built this little empire here so just <laughs> voluntelling people who are fans and, and are willing to to jump in on this uh andrew question people are wondering what your discord name is my discord name crawla mm-hmm. i am crawla literally everywhere on social media <laughs> So there that is. Now you Now you have a face to the name, or if you're listening to us on the SoundCloud or any of your other favorite podcasting networks, a voice to the name. So I mentioned your success, Andrew. Uh, we're going to start tonight with our round six recap. So uh, how, how did you guys do this week, Andrew? I
1: got 101 points this week. Whoa. The changes boosted me just above the 100 point line. Um, and 61 of those points came off of my bench. Massive.
2: There we go. Fan, who was your bench?
1: Uh, Sounders. There we go. I had Joven Jones, <laughs> I had Rui Diaz, and I had Jordan Morris.
2: And I believe the message I got from Andrew this weekend was something along the lines of, hey, sorry, Reed, I hope you enjoyed my 50 points from Sounders. So it was like, and my response was, great, yes. <laughs> something yeah, like that. I, I sent that at <laughs> halftime, so that's why it was only 50 points right. in the trash talk. That's right. It was, it was early. It was early. Blaine, how did you do?
3: Uh not so hot. I got a fifty one this week.
2: Oof. So um, above the average. Yeah.
3: Yeah, but that's not saying much. Um none of my defenders hit. Um I've got everything on the back line wrong. Um I I somehow missed the lineup and I had Greg East in there for the safety one, but instead of Molino and I would have switched if I had seen it so I missed out on eight points there. Zardes was my highest-scoring player for the week, so, I mean, that's a win for me. <laughs> well,
2: there you go. Mike, what about you?
3: Oh, I got 90 points. Um, there you go.
0: Which wasn't one, one too bad, considering kind of how weird this week was. Yeah. Um, I missed the RSL lineup in time. Like I was like, oh, look at LAFC's rotation. Oh, I'm bringing in Krylak, and I'm capping him. And it was... 8.30, which, you know, the game hadn't kicked off yet, but it, as far as MLS is concerned, it had kicked off, so lineups were locked. So I missed out on those points, but like, alright, I'll just bring in Ladero, because I had to swap out the Houston players, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I was able to catch those lineups, thank God. Um, and I swapped into Ladero, which, it's hard, it's weird when you're disappointed at a nine-point captain, but whenever I woke up the next morning and saw the score, I was like, oh man, Ladero's gonna have, like, double digits, it's gonna be huge, and it was like, Right. Morris, uh, Ruiz Diaz going down, down. Oh, there's with Joven
2: Jones. Uh, wait a minute, what's going on?
0: <laughs> yeah, so, no. I managed to get the wrong sounder. <laughs> with the nine points. I, it's it was a because him. <laughs> I, I was
2: I was very happy to have his nine points uh, and nine points from Rusnak. Well, but so, I, I
0: had his ten points. I may have actually made the Champions League. But oh, oh,
2: this you and Skyler, rough times. Rough times. Kyle uh, has the
0: words to me, but we'll get to that. Yes, yes.
2: So, uh, I was telling this, I was sharing this with Andrew before the show started. I had set my lineup during the show when we had it on Tuesday, and I was using my laptop when we did that, and I set it up, and I had Tinner Home, and I had Abu Bakar, and I had Krylak on there, and I saved it, and I was like, great. And so, doing things with life, getting ready for the baby, doing stuff, I'm like, oh, crap, games are starting, run up here 15 minutes before the games that I'm interested in are starting and I'm trying to make sure everything's all set up and I go and I changing my captain and I accidentally hit clear team and I'm like no 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 so I'm like back do you want to save changes? No. Goes back and it's it it auto filled and it saved an autofill. And I was like no. No. I have 12 minutes before they so I'm trying to remember what I did, recreate my team, and I and I did almost everything that I wanted, except I forgot to put in Abubakar. I forgot to put in Tinner Home, and I put in Rustneck instead of Carlodge. And it it was I am the I am the inspiration for the Broughty this week because I kept seeing these names pop up and I'm like, yes! Crap! No! <laughs> I, I forgot that one. I did it no, I, I switched that one. Crap. And I just went panic. So there was there was a heart attack and a heartache. I got 70 points, which is not horrible. It's not fantastic, and it's really weird because I feel like this season since we've come back from the break, I've either gotten 70 points or a triple digit score. And it's it's just weird. So it's like I've 70, okay. It's an it's a weird like, wheel that I'm in right now. So, it's it's okay. Uh, Ladero succeeded for me. Resnay succeeded for me. I had um, uh, Reynoso on the bench for Minnesota, who came in for me with eight points. That was fantastic. I did get seven points from Glad. Uh, the surprise of the night for me uh, was uh, Luis Robles. I had him on the bench, and uh, that's how I started off, and he got that, that PK save. Had nine points, and I was like, I will take that every single day. And uh, that is to transition into the next part of this segment, the general takeaway I have for people listening right now is when you're doing bench management and switcheroo management, you need to already have a threshold. And we've talked about some of those thresholds before on the show, but you need to have a threshold going into the week of what you are happy with. And you need to follow that. And for me, if I get a keeper who gets six points, I'm like, that's, that is fine. That's usually going to be a clean sheet. And at least two minutes of play, that's that's a guy who doesn't get any bonuses but probably got a clean sheet. If I get six or seven points from a keeper, I am happy and my keeperoo is done and you move forward. So seeing a nine-point keeper on my bench, I don't care if the next person gets a clean sheet, a save, and five bonus points, which would be the largest score for a keeper I've probably ever seen. Um, it It's just you have to have that number in your mind when you're doing these switcheroos to, to just not overthink it. And that's what I did. And that's a big takeaway for me, especially when craziness happens. Uh, Guys, what about you? What are some of your takeaways from week six of MLS fantasy?
1: Atlanta sucks. Yeah. I was looking at some of their, their stats on the season and over half of their shots are from outside the box. The the last team that I was able to find that did that was I think it was Granada in Spain a couple of years ago and they finished dead last and scored like 12 goals less than anybody else. Um, so Atlanta is in real trouble.
0: And it's it's trouble on both sides of the ball. Whenever Dax McCarty puts up what like 18 fantasy points, like something is seriously seriously wrong because he had a goal and two assists I believe.
2: Right, I think this was a, a career high for him. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a wild night. A wild night, to be sure. Um, Seattle Sounders is definitely something we can let Andrew speak some of this, too. A fantastic score. Speaks definitely to the quality of a lot of their team. And that Seattle has finally realized that this, in fact, is the end of the season and it's time to turn it on. Unlike the MLS's back tournament. Um, but also, there was, there was rotation with that San Jose team. So... I don't think this is we're going to expect Seattle to put up four, five, six, seven, maybe eight goals uh, here on out. But it's definitely helped the stock for a lot of their players. Would you agree with that, Andrew? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I'd say so. Um, I mean, San Jose, along with a couple other teams, uh, just can't defend people that run. It it's become a really interesting issue, especially in the West Western Conference. I've noticed several teams just cannot defend people with speed who try to run in behind, um, and San Jose is definitely definitely one of those.
2: And I know we were really betting against San Jose, but they switched things up, and when they played against LA, it was 0-0 zero, zero draw, which I think was a big heartbreak for a lot of people. I know I was expecting a lot more out of Legette and uh, Pavone at the end, but it's important to note it, to note that Chicharito and Giovanni Dos Santos did play in this game as well, so... We'll be talking about rotations and and lineup changes a little bit later in the show. So those are just two more names to keep an eye on when you're considering your LA Galaxy team and the impact that they could have on the players you want to select. Uh, other are impacts we going with
0: the Galaxy is worse with Chicharito
2: on it already. Uh, I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Are you going to be on on team? Are you are you team Pavone or team anti Chicharito?
0: I mean, I, I don't know if I'm on a team yet, but okay. it's it's a thought in the back of my mind.
2: <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe. I'm not seeing a lot of help uh, with that. Another team I want to point out is Montreal. They had that, that mirror match game against Toronto, which uh, they lost, but they did get a goal in there. And then they stomped Vancouver, which is not a surprise. But Vancouver did get a couple of goals on them. So there there is some more consistency with Montreal that we're seeing when Piet and when Titer are back in the team, unlike when they were both out so um montreal i think does have some value to them under the right situation fantasy wise when you look at that uh let's see here going through we saw some good results from minnesota uh and then a very weird game against sporting kansas city do you want to mention that one blaine
3: no yeah, you haven't mentioned that one.
2: Oh, do you want to talk about it um because i know there were some injuries yeah. and there was a uh, no the red card was in new england there were mostly some injuries and weird rotations yep. in this one
3: yeah, um, well, Sporting had a COVID positive for one player that took him out, and we're dealing with injuries. But then Minnesota, I think, fielded six subs for the game, yeah. one of them being a goalkeeper. And they used all five of their bench players for this one. And then Hairston picked up a slight hamstring issue. He was grabbing at his leg, and they couldn't sub him off because they would used them all and they were out of subs. Just... Yeah, this was a weird one. They They defended well. I mean, Kansas City had the majority of the ball, uh, took them till late in the game to get the breakthrough. So Minnesota defended a whole lot better than I've seen them defend this season so far. And um, what well, we have in chat, this is being
2: called a B squad for, for Minnesota. And if that's true, is this uh, worrisome for Sporting Kansas City going forward? Uh, this
3: was a B squad for Sporting, too, for the, in a lot of ways. I mean, you look at, they started three homegrown guys in Busio, Duke, and uh, Hernandez in midfield. I mean, there's no Ilya, there's no Roger, or no Kendo is in there, I guess. But they, and they've been starting their They've had three young guys playing a lot of minutes in midfield. It was kind of a B squad all the way around.
2: Very but, true. Yeah. Um, we didn't have. Uh, Good.
3: Sporting has not been shut out this season. That is one thing that they've got going for them. They have scored in every game this season so far. So that's something to keep an eye on fantasy wise. They always seem to find that one goal somewhere.
2: Uh, then of course we have to give uh some just a shout out to Colorado, who put up five points against Real Salt Lake, who won the Rocky Mountain Cup for the first time in five years or something along those lines. Uh I think it's the first time they've had a shutout at Rio Tinto, uh and they almost had a fight after the end of the game. Uh so that I think that second stat, there There was, I, I went through some quick stats about this game and there was a lot of firsts and, and haven't bins for a long time for Colorado. So this was a great win for them. The most interesting part or the funniest part was when Real Salt Lake played Colorado earlier, they beat Colorado 4-1 to and they went ahead and made a tweet that said Rocky Mountain Cup champions, Real Salt Lake. And then they come and lose 5-0 to and since the first game was thrown out for this COVID stuff they lost it so that that uh, premature <laughs> celebration right there for sure so uh yes yes but um good points there they had a good showing from their their newest acquisition i don't know if this is the all aboard the colorado train yet or not but uh colorado did have some some uh, momentum at the beginning of the season and it's good to see them uh, get some goals back on the sheet right there uh, anything else you guys want to point out? Chat, anything you want to bring up before we move on to our housekeeping? Or just any general takeaways you guys wanted to talk about before we get on to housekeeping? And uh, we definitely will talk about our double game situation coming up, if if that's on your mind.
0: Well, speaking of uh, clinching cups, uh, as the way the schedule is right now, um, I clinched the new, uh, MLSFI Derby Cup. No. Because I think there's only one game that's going to happen between our teams. <laughs> and I think... We won it. We were terrible. We should fire our
2: coach, but we won it. <laughs> well played. But since
0: he yes. scored, so... Yes. You know.
2: yes you, you. So you're second. I am. I guess, That's right. Maybe. I'm number two. Lane
0: <laughs> is last. Sporty Kansas City just can't keep up. You know. <laughs> uh, this,
2: yeah. this has been the weirdest thing for me with Etsy Cincinnati, <laughs> and I don't know if this just... I don't, I don't know what this says about me, but I read articles and, and I read things from like Doyle and they're talking about how Cincinnati is not doing very well and this isn't the kind of rebound they'd expected. And I'm like, I am ecstatic. Every time I look at the score and it's like, FC Cincinnati didn't lose. All right, guys. Good job. And my, my wife goes, did they win? And I'm like, no, they just didn't lose. And that's. Or they didn't lose
0: book. by, like, multiple goals.
2: Right. They only lost by. They lost this week. We yeah, yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> they did. They lost two to one. New York's been on a, a little run. So, um, I mean, maybe this just talks about how little I was expecting after the catastrophe that was the inaugural <laughs> season. But, like, we get one point, and I'm like, nice. Excellent. <laughs> but, Reed, you got
3: to keep it in perspective, too. One win, and you can leapfrog all the way up into ninth.
2: That's true. It's true. I mean, Who knows? I mean, hey, that's what happens. You,
3: you, yeah, you, you're, you're in playoff, playoff contention. You're, you're in the playoffs.
2: <laughs> that's right. Uh, I mean, there was some, some definite flubs in here. Uh, <laughs> connections with uh, our, our off-the-break aren't fantastic. Maybe they can learn some from, from Andrew. He can help with with that. But there's definitely some offensive uh, worries with Cincinnati, which from the fantasy point of view, this, this is kind of what we expect. They've shored up on defense, so I don't know if Cincinnati's a team you bet against every week for just... A, a seven to one or a five to zero type score, but it's you're definitely not picking their attackers. Definitely
3: and I mean, not. The other the other thing, Cincinnati's got going. On, I don't know why the people don't pick up on it. You're not getting embarrassed like Atlanta and DC.
2: And I got me some good I mean, fantasy points from from Watson a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Well, alright, That's th- this was just a very crazy crazy round, but we're seeing a lot of goals. We're not seeing a whole lot of clean sheets, and so if you are clean sheet hunting, you should probably stop and uh, maybe even look more at people who can help you with some goals. And I think Andrew will be having some numbers for us in our player pick section, so we look forward to seeing about that. Let's move on to the housekeeping section. Uh, this is round 7. That starts on Wednesday, September 16th. Uh, and this is a average... Double game week. I will decide if it's a mediocre or what kind of value that it has shortly. But this this week, this round, goes from September 16th through September 20th. And then the heads up for the next round for round 8 starts on September 23rd. That is another Wednesday. Uh, so make sure you have team set. If you look into the schedule section of the Fantasy website, we do have games for round 7 and round 8. We do not have games for any round past 8, unless you want to go to the final round, and then we can see LA Galaxy playing Seattle. That's the only game. But uh, as far as anything useful, we have game information for 7 and 8, but nothing else yet that we can share for uh, any pre-planning that you may want to do. The teams that have a double game week, and might correct me if i miss missed anything here, we have Dallas... Colorado, San Jose, Portland, Vancouver, and Montreal. I think we have everything updated on the schedule. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't updated like right at nine o'clock, but like it was updated by nine thirty.
2: Of those teams, the teams with a double, the team with a double home game is San Jose, for whatever that's worth. And then uh, the teams with two double away games are Colorado and Portland. Everybody else has a one home, one away. Uh, and uh, every other team is a single-game week. Nobody's on a bye, so everyone's playing this week. If you're looking for uh, a switcheroo for this round, or just not a switcheroo, sorry, if you're looking for just a scrub player on your bench, you're going to, again, want to look at the teams who play later. In this case, uh, it's probably going to be Philadelphia that you would look at if you want to have a scrub player because Montreal does play the first game, so... I guess if you feel really lucky and that you're going to get a 4.0 scrub out of Montreal who won't play both games which is possible um, but you won't be able to do any changes with him so you're probably going to want to look at Philadelphia uh, maybe LA Galaxy or Colorado Not sorry Colorado's double game Philadelphia or uh, LA Galaxy for your better switcheroo uh, options to have the scrubs to give you just free up that budget it's right there uh, you can pr- find some cheap players for sure with those teams Let's see here. Uh, That's what I have for Double Games. Any other updates you guys have or injury news before we move on?
0: Yeah, I've I've got a bunch of little things to update just since we haven't covered on the pod. Good. Um, For injuries, uh, Max Morales came off early for New York City. Um, That's the biggest fantasy injury news that I saw uh, this weekend. I don't think there are any major red cards or yellow card suspensions uh, that I know of. Um, As far as kind of some other news kind of going around the league, uh, Albert Elise is probably played his last game for the Houston Dynamo. Um, if he got caught in that trap, you know this well, but, um, he's supposedly going to be transferred to Portugal, um, pending the, <coughs> pending the official transfer, he's not going to be playing for Houston. So I wouldn't have him on your team. Um, other big news that kind of came out that it'll affect some things. Uh, MLS finally confirmed the playoff structure. Um, this may impact whether teams are going to rotate. Um, essentially what's going to happen is that the West, the top eight teams are going to make it for the East, the top 10 teams are going to make it um, with slots six through 10, having essentially a playoffs um, play in game for those last two um, seeds uh, to make it a nice, even eight. So as of right now, pretty much everyone is mathematically in it um, except for maybe like San Jose and Vancouver in the West, but everyone in the East is in it like within two games and, um, So everything's to play for. We'll see how that impacts how teams are playing for the rest of the season. then MLS did announce some of the games in phase two. And the announcement particularly was what they're going to do with the Canadian teams. As of right now, Vancouver, when it plays a home game, um, this is not for the first game uh, for Wednesday. But after this, like for the weekend, um, Vancouver's home games are going to be in Portland. Montreal's home games are going to be at Red Bull Arena and Toronto's red game uh, Toronto's home games are going to be in Hartford Connecticut um, so starting this weekend so like for example Montreal against Philadelphia Union that's going to be at Red Bulls arena um, I think that's the only one that kicks off yeah the other two Canadian teams are on the road this weekend that'll be more impactful next weekend and then finally kind of a general housekeeping note all the teams that have double game weeks this, weekend, this week, have a double game week. Next week, because next week is a massive, massive double game week. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this stuff to keep in mind as we start our conversation about player picks.
2: Yeah, we had a few red cards as well. Uh, last week, we had uh, New England, Matt Polster, got two yellows, and he was issued a red card. Uh, over in Vancouver, Cavallini got a red card. And also for Montreal, uh, Maciel got a, Emmanuel got a, uh, a red card as well. I didn't check for others, but those are a few of the red cards that are out if you're looking at some of those players. I don't know why you'd look at the Vancouver ones, but you never know.
0: Also, Miami signed uh, Higuain, um, but he is in 14-day quarantine, so he won't be available next week. I don't think
3: he's been added in the game yet.
2: Uh, Not the Higuain we're used to, his brother. Yeah. Make that point. Make that distinction. Mike,
3: did you mention Andrasic is out at Dallas?
2: Uh, I did not.
3: Yeah, they transfer he got transferred out of Dallas this week as well.
0: I I think we've mentioned it that Reggie Cannon has officially been transferred out. I I know the transfer got official, but I think we had mentioned it on the last podcast, but just in case we didn't he's officially gone now.
2: And then Andrew, I believe you shared some potential news that that the smoke might have impacted the games last week. Is there anything that you've heard about the fires and impacting this week?
1: Uh no, I I think looking any more than two days out it's too unpredictable. Um, so, super smoky here right now. My my practices for the week have mostly been canceled. Um, but as far as the weekend goes, uh, your guess is good as mine.
2: So yeah, keep up on that. Uh, definitely, our thoughts and prayers go out to to everyone impacted by by the fires. Um, but uh, it does have some impact, and so that is just a factor. Not mean to make light of it, but that is a factor that that could impact some some games going forward. All right. Seeing as let's check chat real quick, uh, got everything covered there. So seeing as nothing else for our injury updates, let's move on to our player pick section. Uh, bef- we're going to kick this section off talking about double game weeks. That is the uh, most common question I got this uh, this this today when I sent out the the tweet for for questions and feedback that people might want to have for the show, and it was various uh, versions of is is this a good game to this a good week to go heavy with double game week players is there going to be rotation of the double game week players what's happening with players during the double game week so guys where do you come down on double game week players in in this round are we potentially looking at at rotations is is the first game going to be better than the second game is it going to be Teams, when they go on the road, that's going to be it, no matter which game it is. How are you seeing the congestion of double game weeks impacting players this week? Mike, I'll let you start out.
0: Um, I think at this point, with as many games as these teams are playing, I think every team with a double game week, from here on out, you have to be concerned about rotation. Uh, we started to really see it this week. Um, and I think the new playoff structure... Is one of those where unless you're a team kind of fighting to, to to get in it, most teams that you're probably going to want fantasy players from feel okay with. I can lose a game here and there if I need to keep my guys healthy. Um, I'm expecting to see more of those. Where they're going to come from, <clears throat> I'm not sure. You know, this is an unprecedented situation. I can't predict reliably. I think this is one of those where you really need to. Pay attention to Wednesday, um, and the the approach I've been really more taking is if I don't see a player start on Wednesday, I'm not banking that they come back in uh, on the weekend. Uh, I've been bur- I, I got burned a few weeks ago with Nani. Um, like we've said before, <clears throat> you're not going to yeah Quintero, Kyoto. Quintero, I'm sorry, not Kyoto. Quintero. Um, we're, we're, we get. Uh, Injury reports are at at an all-time low, which is incredible to think about, but you can't see practices. You're basically relying entirely on what a coach is going to tell a reporter via Zoom, Uh, and that's not any way to – that's not dependable in any way. So I think you – so in general, I think you have to look mostly at the wins in games, especially you need to kind of – to be ready, I think, with one player from – each team possibly to bring on in case we get another. Well, they threw out the entire B team. I'm going to get this guy from Dallas, this guy from Colorado, even if they are not necessarily guys you would normally pick, and just try to take advantage of that. And hey, maybe the the second game that'll be a bonus. And this is where it'd be a good opportunity for the bench. If it's a player you're not familiar with, stash them on the bench, especially this week where you have just a few double game weeks. Teams, you can put that player on the bench, see how he does and then maybe make adjustments after the Wednesday game. But that's kind of, just in general, I don't think these double game week teams are great, especially with two double game weeks back-to-back. I think there's some single game options more so than in some weeks past. Generally, these teams aren't as good, plus schedule congestion. But those are some of the thoughts and strategies I'm trying to think of going into this. Um, In general, if you can put them on your bench, that's better, but it kind of depends on how many double game week players you really want.
2: Look uh oh, good night Lily oh she's upset uh, <laughs> Andrew since Blaine's got Lily what are your thoughts on double game weeks
1: yeah so I ran some numbers surprise surprise that's what I do mm-hmm, and true. double game weeks are significantly worse than they were under last year's rules for double game weeks mm-hmm. um, in the past it's been a multiplier of about you know 50% bonus points so if you got a score of six Normally for single game week player, it'd be about nine for double game week player. Um, this year, it's only about 10 to 15% mm. jump. So if you got a score of six, um, it's generally about six and a half for double game week players. So just in general, the, the scores for double game week players, the bonus just isn't there this year with the new rule. Um, so generally, I'm, I'm starting at this point to, to just ignore Double game weeks as a thing, um, aside from worrying about rotations and just looking at looking at the lineups and
2: picking you know the, the best matchup and values that I can find. Yeah, no, that's. I think that does reflect a lot of what we've seen, where maybe they'll get a five-one game and then a six or a seven in the second game, and you think yes, but in the past you'd have been like giving those money points with an easy twelve or something like that for a guy that had a couple of average games. Blaine, anything you want to add for double game weeks?
3: Yeah, I'm glad Lily came in because Andrew got to go first. I was waiting for those numbers because I've I've been kind of on that bandwagon already, actively ignoring double game weeks. I'm looking at matchups and I'm picking those. Like this week, we've got some interesting ones. Dallas plays the first game of the Saturday set. So you will be able to see both Dallas scores. So there is some options there for double game weeks. And I do look at that when there's a player or two that's a potential. But for the most part, we're seeing too much rotation and the double game weeks. Just the points aren't there on both games. The two bites at the apple doesn't seem to be a real thing right now. You're hoping for one good game out of the two. And you're kind of expecting the second game to be a throwaway by the player, unless it's somebody specific. Like I would say if Diego Valeri does not start the first game this week, I would assume he's going to go the second game. It's just kind of, there are certain teams that you could predict that way. But for the most part, I'm with Mike on that. That If they're not in the first game, I'm not going to take the risk for the second game because it's too easy
2: to get burned. Yeah, but it's a mirror match for Portland. I mean, they're literally playing San Jose twice at San Jose. So are they still, here's, here's my question with this new structure we have. Is Portland flying into San Jose on Wednesday, playing their game, leaving and going back to Portland, only to fly back into San Jose again, on my birthday on saturday and then fly back out again like that just seems ridiculous that they would be like well you guys just get a hotel and quarantine here i guess i don't know but that's this the schedule is bananas this season with with all these mirror matches that we're getting i think i called it something else uh in the past but for some reason i have mortal kombat on the brain and i'm calling it a mirror match right now so that's uh (laughs) That's what we're going. I like what Patrick said. I think you guys you guys make some fantastic points, and I think that's the right advice for anyone listening to us this week. Um, I I love this structure still. I love this change with the double game weeks, and I think it's it's kind of a weird example this year to see it because in a normal year we'd see some the double games would definitely be more spread out. We'd see teams with buys, and so there'd be a team that could potentially have that double game week and a buy next week, and the rotations might not be as severe. Um, Sometimes when I'm looking at these these teams as well, even though I know rotations might be a risk, if I like both matchups, I'm like, well, they'll probably play in one of them, so I'm willing to to risk having the guy with that. And a lot of it's, it's easier to do some of these double game week players with defenders because most of them aren't as likely to rotate, though we have seen some rotations on defense as well, for sure, especially those guys who are on the wings. Um, most of the center backs seem to be okay, but then we have that conversation that continuing conversation of wingbacks versus center backs and, and what kind of bonus points are you actually looking for do you have any numbers with that Andrew for for the rotations with wingbacks and center backs uh too
1: specific n- not at this point I haven't looked at numbers for comparing those to you know
2: but still I mean still defenders seem to be a little bit consistent I mean I guess the most consistent is you're probably not going to see a goalkeeper rotation unless it's someone who's actually competing for the starting spot so uh, there's your, your probably your safest double game week position right there. Uh, anything from chat? Feel free to chime in as we go on. Let's move right into our player uh, picks, starting out with keepers and defenders. Blaine.
3: Yeah, this was a rough week. I didn't like any of the matchups too much. Um, the ones that might might line up okay, like I do, kind of like Columbus, Nashville, but the prices there are insane. Um, you're looking at paying 10 million for a defender and goalkeepers are yeah um what is it uh rooms at nine so i mean you're starting keeper. like that's just a lot of money to invest in a defense at this point when there's some a lot of midfielders are going way up in value right now so i'm i'm going to i'm going to go with uh Zobeck on the bench for my goalkeeper um i'll see both scores Colorado's hit or miss they can they I'm really looking at that first game, but, I mean, you never know. Kansas City's missing so many players. They almost didn't score against Minnesota. One goal late, and they should have scored a bunch. That's a team that's just not capitalizing. If they're going to get i – I'll take that risk uh, because I'm rolling in. If I have the money at the time, I'll go with room for Columbus. But right now I've got it on Teton for Cincinnati. I just – price is right for where – where my team's at. And it's just, it's one of the better matchups I see. I, every other game, I see some goals coming both directions. Or I'm using roster spots from the three spots from the other teams somewhere else. So I'm kind of going there. And then I'm, same way, I'm going to go with one Columbus defender. I've got it on Williams for now. Um, I've got Hollingshead in there for the double game week. I really want to see that lineup. He could do some damage against Colorado. And I like that one. And then I'm going to go with. Uh, I think it's for Cincy is also on my bench right now, just to see kind of what happens. He's one of the he's a cheap option to get into the Cincinnati defense, and I was really looking super cheap here because I spent way too much money up front, and that's- so I had to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel. So I'm giving you guys the the cheap options. Hopefully somebody's got some heavier hitters, but that's just the way my team shaped up. Mike.
0: All right, so I have. The keepers I have, uh, I have Robles on the bench. Uh, we've talked about, you know, uh, Andrew made that great point, a great stat about Atlanta's offensive problems. Uh, so he's first. And then in the second part of the keeper, uh, I have 9.2 million in Andrew Andre Blake. Um, Montreal's schedule is really, really bad. And, you know, they have to play Wednesday in Vancouver and then fly across the continent. To uh, quote home game in uh, New Jersey, so I don't really like that schedule for them. Um, Philly's pretty strong, so I'm I'm invested a lot in Philly this week. As you'll listen to my picks, um, keeping on that, I have Gaddis uh, from Philly. Uh, Six point five was probably the cheapest uh, way into the Philly defense. There were some other Philly defenders I would have liked more, but I was kind of budget constrained. Um, if that. Robles, uh, one hits, I can maybe upgrade to one of the uh, better defenders for Philly. Uh, Also, have Kyle Duncan. I picked the other side of the Cincy Red Bulls game, (laughs) but I I do agree with Blaine. I think it's a game where both teams struggle to score. Both teams are defensive first, so I can easily see that as a nil-nil. I just happen to like Duncan a little bit better than Cincinnati since it is uh, Red Bulls at home. Uh, And then on the bench, I have uh, Justin Glad. Um, He's been putting up consistent numbers, um, except for that last game uh, that RSL played. Uh, And because of that bad game that RSL had uh, against Colorado, he actually lost a lot of value. We talked earlier about value. Um, And I think this is one of the examples where, like, one bad bad game knocks that defender right right back down. So he's down to 6.8, which, I mean, is still traditionally high, but with some of the other prices, hasn't been too bad. Um, And, you know, taking Vancouver, again, in the middle of, you know, back-to-back double game weeks in the altitude at RSL, Um, I think that's a pretty good matchup for him. Uh, And then I have Mavinga, Um, DC United is also another team that has really struggled to score. Uh, Toronto hasn't been as good defensively recently, but I think they can kind of get their form uh, back, especially with a little bit of rest. Uh, I, I see them getting a clean sheet in this game. Andrew, who are you
2: looking at?
1: Uh, from a keeper, I've got Zobeck from Dallas. Um, I don't think we've mentioned that Dallas plays twice this week before most teams play once, so we'll yep. be able to get a peek at you know the final score of whatever Dallas players do. Um, so that is something to definitely keep in mind as you're as you're looking at players. Um, I've also got Awful and Camacho on my. Starting back line and then I've got Adnan and Ziegler as well. Which I will explain those two picks later. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Interesting that. Uh you guys have thrown out a lot of good names. I have some some overlap. Uh Zobek is one that I was looking at. I wasn't sure about Zobek or sold on him yet that that being able to preview it was not lost on me, and I think that's a very important point for anybody listening to take away is that you do get to see both Dallas games if the player plays both times. If they're on your bench, you know if you want to bring them in. Uh, I know that he had given up some goals last week in those two games, uh, and so I wasn't sure. One of those was to Houston, I think. Um, so I was a little a little wary about that. I was sort of taken to gamble in the same way. Um, if you are looking for a budget player, maybe Yarborough over with with Colorado plays Dallas at the first game. So you can see if that's going to work, but they do play against LA galaxy. So you're almost banking on that first game to see if that's going to be your clean sheet. Though, who knows? LA galaxy worse with Chicharito, maybe um, uh, that could turn out, but Alba Bacar has been doing pretty well and they've had some, some decent defensive performances. So there's another name. Zobeck was in one that I was throwing around with. I have room as uh, the switcheroo that I was looking at just because I was betting against, Nashville, um, they have put up a few goals. Columbus has not given up a goal at home. Nashville has struggled a little bit on the road. I think the performance from Dax is definitely a blip. Uh, that is not consistently what what he does, or his as his position. That is not usually the goal scoring position that he is in. So I I was looking at room nine million, a little bit on the expensive side. The Robles shout out is a fantastic uh, one to to point out. Uh, I think also the Blake call-out is another. Those are all fantastic options as well, and I went through some of those as well. Blake is a little bit harder to work with if you're trying to have someone like a room. Um, I think Blake is probably the best single-game week keeper to have with your keeper room, because you get to see anything, and then you can put Blake in on a solid game that's likely going to be... I would expect Montreal to rotate some in the second game. Uh, Charles makes a good point in chat that the game against Vancouver is likely going to be more important than Montreal, because that factors into the Canadian Cup placements and so we could see a very hard-fought game against montreal vancouver compared to what we might see with montreal philadelphia though that plays into mls so who knows what they're going to do there but that's a very good point about the canadian championship um and i think just speaks to the quality of philadelphia your defense are also great Uh, a couple more that i'll i'll throw out there um ARO has gotten some good bonus point production for Toronto if you want to go with him. Hollingshead's a great shout out. If you think viafania is going to to play, here's another situation where if you set up Gaddis on your team, he won't play so on your field. He won't play until the very last game. So if you want to have viafania on your bench, any of the double game week guys except for Montreal on your bench, you could see those points. And then you could just go with Gaddis, who is equally a strong contender, I think, for a spot, as Mike pointed out. So you could have Abubakar on your bench. You could have Viafania if you want to go for for that and see their points. And so that's I have Viafania there right now just because I'm curious in what's going to happen with Portland, San Jose, since that's that back-to-back game right there. You mentioned Duncan, Mike, and I think it's important to point out I totally get why you're going with Duncan. Cincinnati is not good at scoring, as we just talked about a little bit ago. They did beat New York in the MLS back cup, so maybe there's some uh, bad blood there that they're going to want to take care of. We also have the USL Cup history or US Open Cup history with them. But something I will point out about Duncan is his point total is very heavily weighted the beginning of the season prior to the COVID break and MLS is back cup. Since then, we've not seen that same kind of point production. Maybe you're just banking on the clean sheet for them. So I just want to point that out. If people are looking at Duncan seeing that huge score. It's a little artificial with sort of the new normal that we have. Um, other than that, I think you guys have pointed out a lot of great ones. Checking over at chat, um, yeah, various combinations of, of uh, Cincinnati Defenders. I've seen some lineups online where people have thrown in two, Cincinnati, or not. See, sorry, Columbus defenders. They've thrown in two, like uh, a uh, an awful Mensah or getting in in Williams or somebody there. So that's. I think that's a uh, very viable this week. Uh, people betting against DC United also pretty viable <laughs> almost any week as well. Um, and then uh, some some different options with Dallas as well, going with Hollingshead or. We're going with ziegler um you've got i have i have hollingshead myself mostly that's a price thing uh because ziegler is i think he's nine is he is he nine nine or is he is he pushing 10 andrew he's nine uh, nine nine yeah nine, yeah i i thought he was he wasn't quite in the 10 but uh, he's had some great performances and i love your glad shout out mike yeah he's he's i think he at seven points last week so great there uh, did you want to talk more? One into, last thing,
1: bef- yeah, yeah. One last thing before we move on to midfielders. Um, I was looking at the clean sheets this year, and they're down from what we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, but it's all due to the Western Conference's ability inability to defend hmm. the East, they're putting up clean sheets about the normal rate. Um, and the West is down at about half the normal rate. Oh, interesting. So we've they've they've had about 100 games in each conference and the west has put up 17 clean sheets um and the east about twice as many so Hmm. um if if you're clean sheet hunting definitely look for teams in the east and i think that's that's kind of also reflected in just the the raw number of goals scored in each conference as well
2: oh that's a great tidbit Fantastic! Yeah, your your seven your seven to one score really helped that that stat right there. <laughs> All right, let's go to midfielders. Mike, kick us off.
0: All right, um, I have some weird midfield picks. i um, will start off with Titer. Um, I I've, I did bash Montreal in the last section, but Titer has been generally pretty consistent. Um, it's mostly based on uh, his game against Vancouver. I, I do agree. That's where I, I think most of the points are going to come from. Um then I have Bassett from Colorado., uh, he's only eight million. Um, I think he's kind of a, he's a newer player for them. but when when he started, his to- points totals are seven, six, and fourteen. Um he did rotate uh, the last double game week against Houston, so that's something to keep in mind. but um, for eight million, we're willing to have him on the team. Uh, right now I have Valeria as a placeholder. Um, if he does not start that game against San Jose on Wednesday, he's immediately out. But I just kind of wanted to put him in to fit him in um, budget-wise. Two games against San Jose with the goals that San Jose has generally been putting up the LA Galaxy game notwithstanding um, is too good to ignore for me. Then I have uh, K, Mark Kay from LAFC. Mm. Um, he can do okay against Seattle. Depends which Seattle game they get. <laughs> You know, it's either hot and cold uh, for them. But um, he's only 7.5 following his red card. So he's a little bit cheaper uh, with some high upside. Uh, And then I have Morgan from Miami. Uh, He's come on strong for them, averaging 6.63. Again, I don't like Atlanta on either side of the ball. So, um, yeah, for 9.5 for a six-point average is pretty good for me.
1: Andrew, who do you like? My midfield is Pozuelo, Um, even though I think his numbers have been propped up heavily along with all of Toronto um, (laughs) by playing the two other Canadian teams over and over and over again. uh, DC is equally if not worse than both of them. So uh, going with Pozuelo, um, I've got Zellerayan from Columbus. I also have Tidere and then my last midfielder right now is Rusnak, but that is subject to change.
2: Hmm. What is it that you like about, uh, about Rusnak compared to, like, Krylatch or some of the other options? Uh, just in, in general, he's been more consistent with bonus points, historically. That's fair. That's fair. I think we mentioned last week that Krylatch tends to have maybe the higher ceiling, but he can be kind of boomer bust at times. Yeah, I think that's fair. Blaine?
3: Yeah, I've got Pazuelo and Valeri, both. Um, same basic reasoning. But I'm throwing in Pablo Piatti here. I'm actually really, really thinking I want to double up on Toronto against DC. Hmm. Um, just, I have not had any faith in in DC's defense this year. And with the way Toronto's played, I don't, it's been a while since DC's faced an offense fight like this. And so I think this one's going to be primed where Toronto can just tear them apart, even though it's a road game for Toronto. Um, I, I, I just got that gut feeling on doubling up here. Um, I've got Ladero in there right now. Um, I kind of want to see the lineup, but uh, hangover games are kind of interesting. Going from a seven-one win, um, things tend to come back down to earth a little bit, and I'm debating on the RSL thing because when a team gets completely crushed like that, they tend to bounce back pretty well. So that that kind of gives me <clears throat> gives me a little bit of pause with Valeri on that first San Jose game. Although San Jose has already had a game from that 7-1, so that may not be there. But I can see Colorado – or, or sorry, RSL really bouncing back on this one, and I don't want to miss out on those points if they do. Crylock um, uh, probably gets the nod on that one for me, uh, just with the way they're going to play and the way that game shapes up. So that – it may be Crylock over Ladero. I'm just seeing a hangover both ways, mm-hmm. and so I – I'm really nervous about Ladero on that. And then I've got a Jonathan Lewis on the bench for Colorado. Uh, he's 4.2, um, sometimes a super sub. Um, I'll risk it for a 4.2, even if he doesn't start, because he's come in and made a lot of things happen. Um, and when he gets to start, he's got some decent numbers. And just the price point there, I was a little short on budget with all the guys I had, so I was looking for some cheap options. And that's one that will probably give me a few points on the bench and at least an option to sub in
2: no there's a lot of great picks you guys have hit a lot of the ones that that i was looking at i think it's also important to point out that atuesta came back into the game for uh, lafc in the second half he had been out with an injury so he could potentially be back in the mix um if you want to take that as a flyer maybe i don't know what kind of minutes he'll get they don't have a double so that could be good for him um I was considering uh, Paolo for Seattle myself uh, comparing him to to Ladero. Some of that was me reacting to that last game. He was getting very involved. Ladero wasn't wasn't as high with the points. He's had some some good production uh, since he's been in the season as well um, and a lower price point. That's <laughs> let me be honest, that's really a lot of what it was. He has some good numbers and he's about two million less than Ladero. And so I was thinking that that could be a pretty good shot right there. Uh, Andrew, do you have any opinions on Paolo versus Ladero?
1: Yes, I have many, many opinions on that. Um, Fantasy opinions on? uh, Yes, both are the same at this point. Uh, Paolo's better. There we go. Just straight up, doesn't even matter about the value. Um, He's he's just willing to take more risks and try to hit more final balls than Ladero is. Ladero is just a possession player up high. Um, you see him kind of getting the ball like on top of the 18, but out in wide areas just over and over and over again. Um, and and Paolo in general is is more willing to hit balls into space to break open uh, high press or to start counter-attacks, um, which I think is gonna be very relevant against LAFC this week, since they cannot for the life of them defend anything yeah. behind him. Um, so I, I anticipate a couple players just running in behind for balls hit in over and over again.
2: Yeah, this this may be a preview of, of what might be coming in forward section then from, from the sound of it. But uh, yeah, so there we go. Some some breakdown there with Lewis, or uh, with uh, not Lewis, Mike, that was uh, Blaine's pick with Paolo. Uh, I also do the same thing with Valeri, sort of having him there as a placeholder and, and seeing what could happen. I think Tyre's a great pick, especially mentioning the the Canadian championship impacts. I didn't catch that. So that, that does make me like tight air. Uh, you can also look at Piet as, as an option. He's nine and change as well. I, I think tighter's the better option, but he has been very involved in their attack as well, especially since coming back. But I think Tighter's still, still good. Another player that I'm looking at on the cheaper side, this is potentially, uh, another switcheroo is, uh, Galvin from Colorado. Um, Mike's pick of Cole Bassett is is fantastic. I have him on a short list as well. I think is another good option. Uh, Galvin did get some points in this last game. It might have been his first game. He maybe he had one more. Let me check real quick. I've got him right here. Uh, he had the tick, tick. Uh, This is his third game, uh, but he only had 36 minutes and he had a goal. And I think they're working him in, and maybe with this double, he might feature both. Is what I was thinking. Uh, but he is he's on my bench to see. But I might swap him for Cole. Um, because he has some more consistency right there. Uh, let see. Is that all for my notes? Uh, I guess the other one I'll add. Temp- in and out of my lineup, I also had Aronson. Oh, and I have Memo. I have Memo on my team right now. Um, it was just too expensive for me to try to work in Quintero this round. Got burnt on Quintero last week, so I am a little wary of what might happen, though... This could be what they're saving him for. But Memo has some good consistent production uh, with with most of his games. And with with Houston going up against uh, Minnesota this week, I I'm, I could change that position because Minnesota has done well. Uh, but I have Memo right there. He's 7.8, and so he was filling a, a sub-8 million point void that I had when I was making this lineup. So... Um, but those are some of the other options. Anybody in chat has some suggestions? I know we've seen i lo- I've seen a lot of teams with RSL players, and I think you guys, Blaine, I think you touched on some of why that's uh, making sense to a lot of people. I've also seen some teams with several San Jose players, like uh, like some uh with Shay on there. Uh, I I don't go for that one. Do you guys think San Jose has the double home this week? Are their players in any way attractive to you? No nope i i think after getting
1: shellacked so bad it's (laughs) tough to really trust them i i think it was doyle's article this week was talking about just how much they miss uh erickson Mm. going forward yeah and like san jose it's it's just kind of a mess right now they haven't invested in the last couple years they're pretty much the same squad and i think people have more or less figured out how to play against their weird man marking system so there we go
0: yeah, none of their players are producing consistently fantasy-wise, except for Chris Wondolowski. And, I mean, he's a player who's not starting consistently. It's pretty much I, – I used him successfully last weekend as a bench player because he scored in that 7-1 drubbing. He got the PK goal. That's pretty much about it that, that I see for San Jose. Um, I mean, Portland's had their troubles, but they're not that – Troublesome that I want to load up on fantasy players.
2: Yeah, other players that we've talked about. There's uh, better flyers this week. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I think Zella's a great shout out from from Sporting. From sporting. Jeez, I'm all over the place tonight. <laughs> I think Zella is a great shout out for Columbus this week. Uh, you might be able to take a chance on Orlando, but I think that's there. Like you were saying, Mike, I think there's better people you're looking at Orlando against Chicago. Uh, I thought
0: hard about Nani. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> Nani's had a few like yeah. low games, but like. Chicago's defense. <laughs>
2: yeah, they've they've given up some. So I, I just feel like there's some better players, but I can totally understand Anani or if you were we're trying to get some budget out of there. Miami, I know we've talked about some of their new players. I think they're they're tempting as well. Uh, Minnesota has, has some new players that might be tempting. Midfield's a little weird for Minnesota, but and Houston's done okay at home. I know we've kind of bet against Houston some. But uh, I think it's I think Figueroa actually has some great defensive bonus points this year, um, but but Houston's a little bit better at home, so I didn't quite move towards some of those uh, Minnesota midfielders. For those of you who may have others on the mind, uh, let's go to forwards. Andrew, uh, I have Gustavo
1: Boat. I have Ooh. Josie Altidore who. Interestingly, is the most underperforming player in terms of expected goals in the league right now. Um, so I'm sure his fantasy scores are terrible, but he's relatively cheap because of it. And you know, he's getting in good spots, getting good chances, just hasn't finished them. Um, and you know, DC sucks, so worth worth a shout. Um, and then on my bench, I have
2: the quintessential bench player, Jordan Morris. <laughs> Quintessential. the the bow pick surprises me. Are you? Uh, I know he's had some rough times, especially since again, since Heel has left. Um, no worries from that loss of production. Uh, it, it's mostly a bonus points pick. Sure, sure.
1: From I from a forward, he's about the highest bonus point producing forward that you can find around. So he's in.
0: Well, he's he's been playing almost more of like a midfield deeper role. Um, I wonder if he actually gets moved up if Lee Win, who got traded to.
2: Oh, that's we'll a great perhaps, point. Oh, that's a great point.
0: Um if he maybe he'll resume more of a forward role, we'll we'll have to see. You
2: know, I did I did forget about Lee Wynn coming back. Yeah, that could be a great boost for them. That makes sense for that trade. All right, Blaine, who are your forwards?
3: Yeah, Andrew, I actually had Bo in my initial lineup and I dropped him for Josie Alpha this week. So I'm right ah. there with you on those two those two players. They're kind of they're kinda of occupying that same spot for me. I needed a cheaper one. Um, I'm rolling out Tavone again. I, just, I think this team's set up to do some damage against Colorado, so I'm going to try it again. Um, and then I've got to have Zardes out there again. I mean, playing Nashville, Nashville's defenses look pretty good, but i got to have Zardes out there this week.
2: Uh, quick clarification real quick. We had it from, from Ari in chat. Mike, do you know what injury status on Zellerayon Because he did not feature last weekend was not on the bench
0: i i mean the reason i didn't pick Zelorion is because i have no idea what's going on okay I'm, I'm assuming it's still the ankle injury that he's gone in and out but i mean he's rotated in and out and predicting his availability has been very difficult and to me it's put me off of a lot of columbus players in general i mean that's one of the reasons i don't have zardas on my teams i don't know if it seems to make a difference uh, I mean Columbus probably should have lost they should have lost that game in Chicago uh, without him and then I don't remember if Pedro Santos came off hurt or if he just pretended to be hurt for five minutes <laughs> I don't remember if he actually came back on and what he did but um, yeah I, I I don't know
2: Oh, good call uh, thanks Ari missed that that tidbit last week so I will uh, take a step back on, on Columbus there uh, Mike who are you looking at for forwards
0: alright so um on my bench, I have Abobasi. still 5.6, kind of come down from MLS's back. But uh, we're just talking about how bad San Jose is. Um, if, if, if Valeri plays two games, uh, I think Abobasi will get a goal, goal somewhere in there. Uh, and at 5.6, it's easy to have him on my bench and to come in. And then on my field, I have Priz from Philadelphia Union. Easy to swap out if Abobasi does well in one of the games. And then I have Jordan Morris. Um, He's also kind of easy to swap out if, you know, if obviously just goes absolutely crazy, I can make a choice between him and Priz. But, you know, he went – did really well against LAFC in their last game. Uh, Andrew talked about how they seem to have trouble with guys running in behind, and it's either going to be Rui Diaz or Morris. So I went with the cheaper option.
2: Yeah makes sense uh i also have morris starting for me uh i'd like that production uh it was a lot of the stats i was looking at with with he and rudy diaz they're they're right there they're right there and so again this one was was like uh a value deal i was like i I can go with morris and he's and he's been great with his uh what he offers especially there um on the wing so i i like that so i went with morris i also have rossi right now uh not sold on this i i know there's been a lot going on with lafc their defense is horrid like you were saying andrew but they have been getting getting goals but i mean rossi didn't do great last round i was thinking about maybe this would be a bwp round where he's sort of the cheaper of the three so that's really in flux for me so I'm, i was interested to hear what you get your guys take on Josie, which makes total sense against dc and i don't know why i wasn't thinking about that before um but I have Rossi at this moment right now. I was a little down on Bo, but you guys also. I think that's a great point to make about Lee Wynn coming in to see how he will feature in. And Andrew is nailed it. That's why I think a lot of us kept Bo on our teams, even without Carlos Heel is because he does have that potential to earn those bonus points, which is so crucial uh, for for a very valuable fantasy forward who can't who doesn't always score. If they score all the time, like Vela, then what do you care about bonus points? Uh, my third forward spot is is just a scrub player because that tends to be what I do is I tend to have a scrub defender and a scrub forward and use that for my switches. Um, but maybe I'll do it for the midfield this time. I don't know. I was struggling with Memo, so maybe I'll go with three, three forwards this week. Uh, other forwards, I think you mentioned Pavone, Blaine. I think that's good, but with Chicharito back in the mix, I, I'm just curious what's going to happen with L.A. and with Dos Santos back in. Like, I, I'm just, that chemistry is different now, and so I was a little wary of that, uh, plus it's so late in in the week, I I wanted a little bit more earlier game coverage just to see some points, but I I get it, I get it, Pavone's a fantastic player, so I, I like that so much. Some of these cheap guys, like with Orlando, um, I, know, I think I think you can splurge on a Jordan Morris or somebody this week and, and not go with some of those super cheap options or just go with two forwards and get two high-quality forwards instead of trying to get some of the, the cheap ones. I struggle with the Boba C. Mike because he, we have had that drop off in the form. So um, I just was not sure about that. Uh, I don't see anybody in chat. Let's see. Andrew, did you get to talk back about your defenders that you mentioned earlier? Oh, that's for our next segment. New segment. Here's our new segment. Da-da-da. This is why we have Andrew. He was voluntold on. We have a new segment for the player pick section, and that is bench options. So, uh, Andrew mentioned this. I thought it was a great idea. This is more than just budget. This is not just who's the best 5 million, 6 million guy to put on your bench you might play. This is really... Thinking about your bench, who are viable options? I know last week I had Ziegler on my bench who was nine million, and he he, he came in so that or he didn't come in so that was fine because he only got four points. So this is really what are we thinking about for our bench or some players that were going through our heads for who could be on our bench for switcheroos or who games we just want to preview for an auto things like that. So um, Blaine, do you want to go first?
1: Can I actually lead off?
2: Oh, you will? okay? I didn't know if you wanted to, yeah. to round the doll. Yeah, go ahead, lead it off, yeah. and give any other explanation you want for it
1: yeah so my my thinking on why i threw this out to read in the first place was i was just looking at people's benches that they have and there seems to be kind of two leading strategies that people have on their bench they either just pick the guys with the earliest game and you know whoever plays the first game in the week you're the bench player um so you know if they score well you can scrub somebody out from your your starting 11 and just get the bench points or People just take the the cheap guys, the spot starter that normally doesn't play um, and that's the bench player. And if they do well, then you scrub somebody out and oh well. Um, but I think that's not the right way to be using our benches anymore. Um, I, I think the correct way to be using our benches and, and the switcheroo options that we have is to purposefully pick the players that are boom or bust players. Mm. Um, So like Jordan Morris, I I called him the quintessential uh, bench player for fantasy. Um, Just using him as the example, he's played seven games for fantasy. Four of those games, he's scored three or fewer points, complete duds, absolute nothing. And then the other three games, all of them have been 12 points or higher. So there's no in-between with him. Um, and there's, there's a lot, a lot of these players around the league. A lot of forwards, a lot of wingers. Um, Blaine's favorite, Jossie Zardes. He's my other quintessential bench player. Like, if, if you like the matchup, I would start him on my bench because he's either going to score you a goal or he's going to get a two, mm-hmm. maybe a three if, if he gets lucky. Um, And there's these players all around the league. You've got guys like Kevin Molino, same thing, eight games, four complete duds, three games where he scores double digits. Um, You've got uh, Pedro Santos, eight games, four duds, two games with double digits, and two mediocre games. Um, So circling back to my two defender picks for this week, you've got Adnan in Vancouver, who... You know, yeah, that. I, I'm not going for a clean sheet there, but if he gets one, great, but he's got six games, four duds and two double digit games. He provides an attacking threat that I think he has the ability to score 12 or more points in a, any, any given game, just, you know, the off chance of a clean sheet or, you know, his actual attacking ability. Um, Ziegler is another really, really good bench play. Uh he takes PKs, takes a couple free kicks. He almost scored one this last weekend. Um Dallas is one of the best defenses statistically in the West. Um so you know the the clean sheet chances there as well. Um so I think we need to start picking these guys that have the ability to just absolutely explode and go off in any given game. Um, instead of just picking, you know. Oh, you're, you're my worst player and eh, you're relegated to the bench or, um, you're my earliest game. So I'll, I'll just wait and see what you do. Um, so that's, that's my contribution to the, the tactical side of
2: yeah.
1: fantasy for this year. Um, no, I love that. I love that. Thoughts?
2: No, no I think it's great. Blaine.
3: That's wonderful. Um, cause that's, that's kind of, I do a hybrid of those two. Um, I love the I, I love taking an early player, especially a defender, to see that clean sheet and whatnot. But what you're talking about is kind of the old auto um logic. You put two guys on your bench, and you want the higher of those two scores. Now, if you've got three guys that play early enough on your bench and they all three hit, of course you're going to go scrub somebody out of your lineup. Like you, you get that option. You get the full three-man switcheroo. You can take people off your 11 to make sure your bench guys get to come in, and that's great. But I, I love what you say about Morris and Zardes. Like those are two guys you can stash on your bench in a in a one-two forward situation. You throw out a guy you know is going to get good bonus points, and then you throw Zardes and Morris both on your bench, and you just you let the higher of the two scores go. There there's a lot of value in that, and I almost never pick players based on their cheap. And I'm hoping they do something. I usually pick somebody who's got a really high ceiling. And a really low floor, and try to get that boom on there. And then I usually pair them with somebody who's got a little more average score, a, a little a little better floor. And then I I know I'm going to get something acceptable out of those two players when they come in. Um, if they play early, that's great. Um, but sometimes I just like it's just it's all about just getting the timing down. And you can't always get the timing, so you just you throw three guys on there, put two scrubs on the field. And hope for the best. And if they're early enough and they all miss, use whatever budget you have to go switch somebody out. But the the old Otteroo rules are really do apply here, and it's making sure you've got value for those spots and somebody who can get you points. Because I there's too many lineups that come out that we see from post game uh, post match week scores that somebody had a two point bench and didn't get anything out of it, and they had a couple of guys not play. Like you you missed the lineup this week with Zeller Ion you need somebody on your bench that's actually playing, not a uh, scrub that's just there to fill a spot.
2: Yeah, I, I love this. I love this take on on the players. Um, for this week in particular, I think other names to throw out. We've mentioned Krylak already with, with RSL, that he's one that kind of has this, this boom or bust or at least this high ceiling, if you want to think of it that way, anyone who's listening. Uh, if you're thinking of trying to find the player's Right there. Nani that Mike mentioned was would probably be a good shot this week with Chicago. And, and what this means to me is I think this makes Philadelphia players crucial in the setup because, I mean, there's quality with Philadelphia. You have Gattis, you have Blake, you have Aronson, you have Shabilko, you have lots of guys. You have four players right there in each key position who you could easily... Go go with Robles. Go with, with Zobek. Go go with Diop if you think you're going to get something crazy with, with Vancouver. Um, actually, don't go with Diop because he's going to mess up your Philadelphia idea. But um, <laughs> you've got Philadelphia at this last game. High chance of a Montreal rotation. Quality team in all these positions that you could have someone come in easily if these bench players didn't work. Um, yeah, I think this is a great way to do this. For me... Uh, I I have I look at Hollingshead like that as well as you mentioned Ziegler I I like the offensive, uh, the consistent offensive where where Ziegler's on set pieces and lots of that Hollingshead's moving up there a lot and and he's 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 been a player for me that's been uh, fantasy rewarding in the past he's come through me a lot a lot of how Barrios has been a player who has been a fantasy nightmare for me in the past uh, so I, I say Marios
1: another classic yes. classic bench player where yes. he's either gonna get you you know 8-12 yes. points or he's gonna get you 2 nothing nothing in the four, five, six, okay good enough range
2: yeah no and uh, Anon is another fantastic I mean he is probably the only Vancouver player I would I would consider because he also has some of those set piece duties as well uh, that he's involved in and uh, and the bench is the perfect spot from him uh, I got a comment from chat what about Alvarez from Galaxy would you call him? He's Daracy? too much of a rotation risk. Yeah. Okay. They
1: they keep trying Quite to perfect. play uh, Rolf Fletch- Felcher um, at right back and Araujo up up at the right wing, which is where they've also been rotating in uh, Efra. Um So, if he starts, I, I mean, he's he's talented. He's he can create moments of magic, but I just don't think he's going to have enough regular
2: minutes to trust him. Mike, any thoughts from you on this? Any other players to throw in there?
0: Um, I mean the. The thoughts that I have on this... Um, in general, I use it as more of a boom and bust for defenders, because I think clean sheets are harder to predict.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Also, it's a little bit easier to do with the defenders, because typically in the past they've been cheaper, um, and you're really kind of hunting the clean sheet, so it's more of a general boom and bust. Uh, the other thing is generally forwards, we don't want to do this, because you want to pick forwards who have more bonus points. Um, it's kind of more of a thing this year, where almost all of the forwards that you're picking are generally boom and bust. I mean, other than Bo, is there anyone who's really been putting up consistent bonus points? Um, I mean, kind of go through the ones we've talked about. Rudy is Morris, Zard, Shabilkos probably
2: been the next one of the more reliable yeah. forwards.
0: Shabilko is probably the only, only other one. So this is a year kind of I think it's where that strategy that Andrew's talking about, essentially using boom and bust on forwards maybe a few midfielders. The only thing drawback that I was thinking of is that's a lot of money to put on the bench. Um, that's one of the reasons why I generally do defenders is because it's cheaper to have more and you can play around a little bit easier with defenders. Now this year, the prices have been a little bit more expensive, so that gap is a lot of narrow, which you know, makes Andrew's strategy a lot more viable. But
1: Yeah. And, and if one of your expensive bench players does hit, then you get to scrub out one of your field players and then you can boost oh, up. Yep. upgrade right. the, the rest of your guys, which I've been lucky enough to do the last couple yeah. weeks.
2: Yeah. I mean, example for me, I had Ziegler on my bench last week, who was 9-something then. I also had uh, Reynoso on my bench last week, who was in the 7s. So, I mean, these this isn't, like we said at the beginning, this isn't the value players that are just cheap in my play. I mean, this is, I mean, these mid-range guys who could easily come in there knock it out of the park. I got 8 points off of, Ray, of uh, Reynoso, and he was on my bench and, and swapped in for Freeman. So... Uh, I think that that was an excellent example of how this could work, right there. Or even better, Andrew, sixty-one points off his bench. So that's that's the best example, right here. Uh, no, I think that's uh, that's a great tip, and, and uh, let us know if you like this part. We'll try to add this in some more, just highlighting these boom and bust. Uh, maybe we'll call it boom and bust. Maybe we'll call it the bench options. Uh, but just let us know what you think of this section because I thought that was fun, and I and I like that take on uh, on the defense. Uh, let's wrap this up with captain picks, Mike. I have it on
0: tighter right now, um, but I, I'm not confident about that one. <laughs> well, understandable. Andrew.
1: I'm on Pozuelo at the
3: moment. Blaine? Uh, I have no idea who,
2: so I've got it on Zardes for now. Of course you do. Uh, yeah, I'm equally kind of confused with this one. I don't have Pozuelo in my team right now, but I'm rethinking that because it's DC, so I don't know what I was was even thinking when I made this. But I have it on Valeri right now because I want to see what he's gonna do, and then if it wasn't Valeri, then I would I would I don't know flip a coin, struggle, I don't cry, pray, I don't know. But uh, um, but right now I have it on Valeri because I I hope he is gonna start that first game and the second game and destroy. San Jose and do a, a mortality finishing move during their their mirror match
0: how much Mortal Kombat have you been watching I, I
2: love Mortal Kombat I've got my wife and I will play the video game so it's I, I remember fo- very fondly playing Mortal Kombat on the game gear at my friend's house so I'm I'm old like that game gear oh man yeah he had a game gear he had a game gear played it at the arcade we did that as well but it was I never liked the it was big, but I like the handheld. That's what it was. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade game. Not the podcast to talk about this on. What am I doing? We need to wrap this thing up. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to us tonight. Uh, I hope this has helped you uh, get some, some ideas going for your teams for Wednesday, September 16th, when everything locks. Uh, the kickoff is at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time with FC Dallas versus Colorado Rapids. Two teams I think you want to look at uh, this this round if you're going to be doing some Double the Game Week teams. I think you have some options right there. Uh, But definitely make sure you have your lineup set. Thank you so much for listening tonight, guys. Any final plugs from you all here? Andrew?
1: Nothing from me. Thanks for
2: having me on, guys. Good to see you
3: again. Blaine? Nothing new for me.
2: Mike? Nothing new for me. Alright, guys. Check everything out at the Discord, at Fancy Boss, and uh, good luck.